Before we get to the podcast this week, did you know that Bomb Chevrolet Buick is focused on treating customers right from the start? Since 1928, Bomb has been guiding Central Illinois drivers through the car buying and servicing process, helping you make the right choices for you. Visit us today and be treated like family at Bomb Chevrolet Buick. That website is bombchevybuick.com. And a personal note, by the way, on Bomb Chevrolet Buick, we have a deal with them where if you buy a car, van, truck, whatever it is, new, used, whatever it is, you get a lifetime subscription to Flow Racing and Dirt on Dirt. Literally, for the rest of your life, if you buy a car there, you will never pay for another uh, online race, another piece of content, nothing. You buy it bomb. And we just had someone buy one last week, which is super exciting. So please, if you're in the central Illinois area, and I saw some people are actually coming from Michigan uh, to buy because of, of our deal that we're running, which is super awesome. Uh, if you're in central Illinois area, or even if you're not, get out to Bomb Chevrolet Buick uh, right here in central Illinois. That's Bomb B-A-U-M, and check them out. Here we go. And most importantly, welcome to DirtOnDirt.com. This is the Rigsby Report for Thursday, July 16th, and the number of the day is 214. 214. That is how many times in my career I have interviewed Billy Moyer. For reference, the one you're about to listen to is 215, but think about that. This one human being has had me ask him questions in person, over the phone, in a press box, in his hauler, about everywhere, about everywhere you can imagine. I have interviewed Billy Moyer 215 times, but I never have really gone fully in depth with him, like you're going to hear in the next hour or so. Just really cutting to the chase on a lot of stuff. I think everybody's really going to love it. I hope you do as much as I did doing the interview. I mean, if you're a dirt late model person, or even if you're not a dirt late model person, it's really cool stuff with Billy that you're going to hear a little over an hour. He and I went on the phone before that. I do have some other thoughts as I always do. First, one thing I do a lot, so much of my day is spent talking to promoters, not only friendships that I forged, but just in general, you know, how was your event? How do you feel about the state of the industry? What do you got coming up this next week? And I talk to promoters just a, a shit ton. And by and large, and I don't think I'm breaking news here, you guys have seen the crowds at some of these places that I've been, particularly these Lucas Oil races. The promoters are making record revenue since things came back from Corona. And good for them, right? Because most of these tracks had to shut down for at least two months. So I'm happy that they've been having these these windfalls but I am starting to get some reports that in the last week or so, it's not as great as it had been. Take Florence, for example, uh, just this past weekend. Uh, no secret that Josh King and I are close. I've made that known on the air a few times. Hell, I was in Josh's wedding. Uh, Florence isn't really able to race at all the entire season until June, early July. And then, bam, Lucas cancels their Minnesota races and in seven days, they're having two big races back-to-back, 12,000 to win each night at Florence. Easy home run, right? Everybody else is hitting home runs. Smoky Mountain, Muskingum, uh, you name it. The Lucas series is going there, and they're hitting their own home run. So why wouldn't Florence be one of the most popular tracks in the U.S. and hit a home run? 
I don't want to get into the finances exactly, but it was not a great weekend for Josh. And that's not a knock on him or a knock on Rick or anybody else at the Lucas series. Those guys are great. But it does make we make me wonder a little bit. Have we run the course, so to speak, with the ability to pull these things off last minute? And nobody was trafficking in that more than myself and Dirt on Dirt and Flow Racing. So for personal reasons, I'm curious as well, is that now over? That last minute, bam, we're having a race rush that we had done for, for so many weeks. Or is it more a little bit that people are are maybe a tick scared to be in large crowds right now? Maybe back to that, not March, but April level stuff where not everybody is just itching to be around a couple thousand people. Or was it just an isolated incident, which could completely be it as well. It's just odd that it happened at Florence, right? Of all places, they always hit home runs. You know, Josh is going to laugh when I say that probably. They always do well, typically. You know, so Josh and I talked a lot about it after the weekend, and we're just kind of stumped. You know, I'm sure that the North-South crowd will be enormous next month as long as everything goes well in the state of Kentucky. But at least for now, I was kind of like, eh, let's put a pin in this and see if there's more to it this July 11th and July 12th weekend. Let's see if that was a turning point what people are willing to do now that the final wave of, oh, I'm so desperate to hit a race, that wave is over. Maybe that wave is over in the July and 11th and 12th uh, piece of this. You know, let's stick a pin in it and see if that's something that really matters or a timeline we're going to look back on. And remember, I also think, you know, Batesville always tried to have those two Lucas races and the crowds were never good in April. And I would always make the argument that uh, racing fans have a body clock and our body clock says we don't go to Batesville in April. Maybe that's it for Florence. We don't go to Florence in July. We go to Florence for the Ralph Latham and we go for the North South and that's it. So maybe that was it. Maybe I have sort of a body clock theory that the people only go there twice a year for big, big races. Uh, Next up, I always have to go to Todd Turner for this stuff, but there were 11, 11 five-figure paydays this past weekend in dirt late model racing. During COVID times, I'm using air quotes in the studio, we had 11 paydays of 10 grand or more scheduled. 10 of them happened. Only Florence rained out on Saturday night. For perspective, that number is only ever achieved on the big three weekends of our sport. And by that, I mean Memorial Day, July 4th, or Labor Day. And those are usually stretched out over three or four days. This was 11 five-figure paydays in two days, just Friday and Saturday. Uh, It's unreal. Todd and I could not find another two-day stretch in our archives with that many 10,000 or more to wins ever. Uh, I'm sure maybe we missed one, but it was, we spent a half hour, 45 minutes on it. We couldn't find one. That is massive. You know, still we're in the midst of this COVID stuff and we are ripping out five-figure paydays uh, like it's nobody's business right now. Every week I have these meetings with the team leaders that flow, you know, the wrestling people and the GM or the gymnastics people and the cheerleading people, and they can never get over the resiliency of racing right now. They're like, wait, how many events did you guys have? What was it? Where were you? It really is remarkable. I feel like I, you know, I feel like I kind of ramble on about some stupid Corona thing every week, but I just feel like we're still in this suspended state of reality almost where this all started around March 15th. And it's still kind of going on, right? Like it's not really over yet. And we're going to look up and it's going to be November. But when Todd pointed that number out to me, that 11 number, I I had to mention it on air. And finally, did you see Tony Stewart and Ray Evernham are teaming up basically, in essence, to 
replicate the IROC series. It's called the SRX All-Stars. SRX stands for Superstar Racing Experience. It's going to be 12 drivers competing on famous short tracks in cars prepared by Ray starting next year. So why do I bring this up on this podcast? Obviously, Tony owns Eldora. And Eldora was mentioned as one of the places these guys could race, along with Knoxville. And I even saw Ray mention Terre Haute, which was interesting to me. So it won't just be asphalt tracks, but it sounds like dirt tracks too, at least Eldora and Knoxville. So my question is, are we going to get some dirt representation in this? Is Kyle Larson the hottest driver, arguably, ever in any form of dirt track racing ever? perhaps more than or even maybe only surpassed by Steve Kinzer back in the day. Is Kyle Larson surely going to be a part of this? Does a guy like Brandon Shepard, one of our guys in late model racing, does he get a shot in this? I actually think so. I think with Tony doing it, those names, some of those names are likely. Uh, These are going to run on Saturday nights in the summer too. I think it's badass. Just keep an eye on it. I'm really hoping though, a la Steve Kinzer back in the IROC days, that one of our dirt guys or two of our guys or three of our guys get a shot. You know how I feel. I feel that what we do in dirt is more about sheer driving than what anybody does on pavement. It's more impressive sheer driving-wise what dirt track drivers do. So I kind of thought that I'd mentioned the SRX thing with that this week. Are we going to see some of our dirt guys in SRX? Uh, I sure hope so. Let's get to it. Billy Moyer. We were supposed to do this interview in person at Fairbury, and then it rained there, and then I was going to do it a few days later on the Hell Tour, but but Billy actually headed back to Arkansas and isn't coming back out on the road till Friday, so I had to settle for a phone call, which I was totally fine with. Billy, I did the math on this. Get ready for this. I have interviewed you 214 times. <laughs> 214. This makes 215. Does that number shock you? Does it make you smile? Does it make you cry? Do you have any thoughts on that ridiculously high number? That is a high number. I had no idea that it's, that it's 214 times, but uh, uh, I guess it makes me smile, yeah. <laughs> well, you think about it, right? We've been doing this for 14 years, and you, I, I'm, I'm interviewing you you know, 12 to 15 times a year. And all of a sudden it's the math is two fifteen pretty quick. But by the way, counting those out was a huge pain in the ass, by the way, I just want to point that out. <laughs> you know, the first question I was going to ask you, cause we were going to do this interview in person. And I was going to ask you this, here we are. It's, you know, it's July 11th or 12th. It's a Saturday night. We're sitting in the pits in the heart of the dirt late model world in Fairbury at a summer nationals race. And I was going to ask you, is there anything more Billy Moyer than that? You know, the place, the series, the time of year. And I was going to be like, here we are, man, me and you, after all these years still sitting in a summer nationals race in Illinois. Uh, let's pretend I'm in your hauler, and I would have asked you that question. Is there anything more Billy Moyer than that? <laughs> uh, probably not. That's, uh, uh, you know, the summer nationals was, uh, you know, back when Bob Memmer started it, he was, uh, you know, I don't know. He just had a, a insight of what he wanted to do, and and uh, um, you know, really grew it into from where it started at to you know to what it is today. And uh, you know, he had big plans for that thing that you know really they they're not doing now. He's told me himself, you know, back in the day, kind of what he was wanting to do with the thing, and then you know, his dream was to have them all pay ten thousand someday. You know, when you could run for 
thirty days and they all pay ten thousand, uh, that that'd be something to talk about. <laughs> From that point, right here we are. You're in your sixties. You're still running the summer nationals. I got to go to this whole retirement thing that I want to go over with you. And I think I have to take some blame for this, but we're going to get to that in a second. And I want you to set the record straight. A few years ago, there's racetracks out there all over the country. They're doing tributes to Billy Moyer. They're giving you plaques. They're thanking you for coming and what might be your final appearance somewhere. But you have sort of maintained this entire time that you never really told anybody you were stepping away. And I think us at Dirt on Dirt bite me as guilty as anybody of saying, oh, he's done. We, we might have heard he's done and he's done. Just get, get to the point of that. How did that all happen? How did it snowball out of control? And, and why did people think in 2016, 17 there that that was it for you? Help me understand that. Well, it's hard for me to understand it sometimes. <laughs> you know, I, um, um, you know, I think it just, you know, somebody started it and it's probably my fault for not stopping it. You know, I don't know. Cause I mean, it's just kind of rolled off my shoulders and, you know, well, yeah, whatever. And, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, someday it is going to be over, but I think that some of the, um, media people maybe made a bigger deal out of it than what it really was. And I, like I said, I probably should have stepped up and maybe, said something and I didn't, I just, I don't know, I'm just kind of quiet, quiet natured and, it, you know, and, and I just went on with my business and, uh, you know, and it went on, but, uh, I will say that, that now, you know, that, like I've said earlier this year, that, uh, this, this for sure is the end, the end of Billy Moyer, if I can get even to the end of the year, that uh, the retirement deal is, uh, it is upon me for sure right now. I want to clarify that though. So you're saying at the end of 2020, you will not race anymore ever again, or you will only do 10 races a year, 12 or whatever. What does that mean if 2020 is it? Well, that's, that's hard to say for sure. Right now I'm just kind of, um, you know, ready to uh, just have enough, you know, but, um, you know, who knows what the future will bring, but I'm, I'm saying I'm probably done forever, but, you know, certain things happen and, you know, you, you know, I never know what, what, uh, you know, might jump in a car a time or two or whatever, but I'm saying no, you know, but, uh, something might happen different than that, but. If I had told you at 25, you were 25 years old, if I had told you you'd still be doing this when you were 62, would you have believed me or would you have said, there is no way I'll be doing this when I'm 62? What would you have said? Well, I would have probably said there's no way I would be doing it at 62. <laughs> you, know, it, it, uh, you know, but back at 25, things, you know, in the sport have just changed so, so much and it... Uh, um, yeah, it's always been a lot of work always, you know, but you know, when, when I was, you know, up until the last probably maybe five years, I, you know, I've worked my butt off and I, my guys that work for me have too. It's, it's, uh, by far not all been me, you know, they, they've been right by my side and helped me, but I, um, um, you know, back in the day, in my younger day, I mean, I, I won a lot of races. I just outworked everybody. I mean, I, I worked on that car. I'd be up in the morning at 9 o'clock, and I'm still there at midnight, you know. And the last, you know, five years at least, you know, I don't I don't work as hard at it as I once did. And, uh, you know, maybe that's why the results kind of show a little bit, too. It, you know, there's, you know, I hear from all, you know, the people that, you know, that, 
how good a driver you are or whatever, you know, and, and maybe I outdrove the competition some of the time, but I feel like I outworked them more than I outdrove them, you know, in Billy's opinion, you know, the next guy might say, oh, you're crazy, you know, <laughs> there ain't nobody can do this or do that, you know, I don't know, but I just, um, uh, you know, I just, I loved what I'd done, and and for sure, and it's been good for me, you know, but it just, uh, you know, it's just a lot, a lot, a lot of hours, you know, and, and uh, and a lot of money nowadays. I mean, this stuff is just everything's so expensive. And uh, you know, with the, I've had a lot of great sponsors through my time. With you know, been a lot of them out there. But uh, Johnny Johnson comes to mind more than anybody. That just um, was couldn't have been no nicer guy. And, and tried to, you know, he didn't just throw a hundred dollar bills at me every time he see me. But he 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 let me buy what I needed to buy to to make Billy money, you know, like he would help me buy engines. He'd help me do this, help me do that. And, uh, you know, and then it was up to me to perform, to, to make the money to, to live on, you know, and, and I was, you know, that's, that's kind of how it all played out. Um, you know, now I, I got some great sponsors on the car here now, you know, I'm not taking anything away from any of them, you know, but like Johnny was just kind of one of a kind there that, uh, he didn't care where I raced, if I raced in Canada or I raced in Mexico. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't care where I was. Just go do what you love to do, you know, and uh, just, uh, you know, that was a good old times, I guess. And he raced himself, and he'd sit there beside me. Yeah. I'd, I'd help him tune on his car a little bit, you know, like at Cedar Lake, I remember. And he was just thrilled to death when I could, you know, go over there and change one spring for him, and then he'd run better. I mean, he'd just flip out, you know, just uh, just makes me smile, you know. Of all the success in your career, all the wins, all the money, six globes, the glory, yada, 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 all of it, you know what I think about when I think about you the most? And I think it's arguably because I know you pretty well, and I just have been around, my entire life I've been around you in some capacity in the sport. But when I think about you, I don't think about that stuff. I think about the miles. I think about the travel. This guy from Batesville, Arkansas, who has spent his life going up and down the roads of America, racing dirt late models. I could go a hundred different ways with this, but first, have you ever actually sat back and thought, Billy, my God, so much of my life, because of where I lived in Arkansas especially, has been spent on the road getting to and from these events. Have you ever really thought about how many hours of your life you've done that? Well, yeah, I have, you know, and as you get older, you think more about it for sure. But, you know, it's funny you said that because, you know, I've thought about that as of late. And to race a dirt late model out of Batesville, Arkansas, is, you know, there there's some worse places, but it by far is not the best place, you know. But, uh, you know, it just every time you leave here in any direction you go, and people don't know till they come down here and some of the people has bought cars from me and drive down to pick them up, and holy shit, you go down these, these roads every time you leave. Yep. The only good four-lane road, if you go south out of here, you know, we got decent roads that are four-lane right when you leave my house, you know, up like five miles away, we get on four-lane, but, um, you know, it, I don't go south very often. Most of the time I'm I'm going to the north or, or to the east, you know, and yeah. uh there's not any of the roads down here are just uh it, it uh that that's one thing there that, that people don't realize, you know, and, and how I done it back in the day them summer nationals, uh-huh. uh uh-huh. 
I mean, I don't know how I done it. You know, when we leave out of here, I mean, I wouldn't see my house for over sixty days, and uh, uh, you know, people don't realize that. You know that them summer nationals, are, you know, it's just so much Illinois. You know that, that you know almost should be called the Illinois Nationals. You know, because uh, and for me to uh, to do what I've done and win that many races and all that, it definitely makes me smile. You know, because I, you know, you got. The Illinois guys, is, you know, the Fager and Bab and Shirley and, and on and on with them guys that all during them summer nationals get to go home. And like I tell people, they may not get to unload their car and work on it because you got to get up the next day and go on to the next race. But you still get to get in your own bed and you get to uh, get maybe a decent meal and, and you get to do your laundry. And, and there's just so much that that, uh, that that summer nationals is a grind, you know, and I, um, I, I look a lot of times and don't know how I ever done it, you know. Did you ever think to yourself, and I'm, I'm sure you had to discuss this, you know what, I should live in St. Louis or Indianapolis or Cincinnati. Did that thought ever cross your mind that perhaps Batesville isn't the right spot for you? It might have saved you <laughs> hundreds of thousands of miles, Billy, and you made that move. Oh, without a doubt. If I was younger, I've told Junior this, you know, that he's got a family now and his wife, I guess, you know, he's, you know, they're they're never going to be able to leave Batesville. It don't sound like, but, uh, you know, for him to pursue his career, you know, he, he, you know, almost needs to be somewhere different, but, uh, but, you know, to answer your question, I mean, yeah, I, uh, I several times was, uh, <laughs> gonna, you know, back, you know, like I, I, you know, me and CJ's my, my best buddy, you know, and we, uh, you know, one time I was going to buy the place from him, and, uh, you know, when he was wanting to retire, that you know, at one time, and then his family kind of come in and was going and decided to help him, so he decided he didn't want to sell it. This is, I don't know, been 20 years ago probably, you know, but, you know, but so that happened, and then there was a couple, I always love that area up there, and, and it's so the right place to be to, if you want to go to Tennessee or Kentucky or whatever, you're close to about everything, or you go to Illinois, you know, you're few hours away and uh, I knew that's where I needed to be and um, I looked at two or three or four houses that was within five miles of where CJ lived and uh, uh, I was real real close to pulling the trigger on this one but I just never did get to you know I never did do it and uh, anyway so I'm still here <laughs> <laughs> it's too late now it's too late now yeah the only yeah, thing I, the only thing I can think is that this is almost, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but this is an addiction for you. You are literally addicted to dirt late model racing. How else could you explain this last 40 years that, that this is an addiction that has kept you going and keeps you going? It, I'm not trying to overstep a line here, but are you addicted to this in a way? Well, yes, you know, and that's why, you know, I say I'm I'm going to be done at the end of the year, and I, I am, but I am, you know, it just, it's, it's just a way of life. It's in your blood, whatever you want to say, you know. And, uh, you know, when I when I stay home and they're racing, just like the last couple nights, you know, they're racing up there at, in Plymouth and, you know, they're up there at LaSalle and stuff. And I'm I'm sitting here. I just, when, um, you know, when I was younger, if there was a race and I wasn't there, I was mad. You know, <laughs> I, I just couldn't believe I, I wasn't there. It didn't matter, you know, if it was like, in February, and they were racing at Brunswick, and I wasn't there. But if you think back of when, when I was more in my prime and and uh, in my thirties, forties, whatever, I, I was at a race. If the, if the if they were racing, I was there. You know, I, I wasn't sitting at home. And 
um, you know, nowadays I, I kind of, you know, I miss more of them than what, than what I ever have. I mean, miss go, I don't go to the races and I miss not being there at the same time, you know, but, uh, you know, there's just gotta be, uh, like, again, I, I love it. And, uh, you know, there's just, my health's pretty good and everything, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I know when you're in the car and you make a mistake here or there that, uh, you know, that I wouldn't have made when I was 40 or whatever, you know, or for sure 30, you know, and I, you know, and it just, um, uh, you know, it, it works on you after a while where it's just time to say enough's enough, you know, sooner or later. I, um, you know, at, at, at the top level, especially, you know, if, if a guy wanted to run around and run, you know, close to home races or whatever, heck, I'm sure I could win a lot of races a year still, but so that's a yes, um, though, right? You're addicted in a way. You, you, it is so in your bloodstream now. You, you, you are so in, tied to dirt late model racing. It is an addiction in a way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree to that. Yes, I, I, you know, and, and when I get out of the seat, I don't, I don't know, what, you know, what I'm going to do. I, I'd probably still be around the races a lot. I think. I don't know. I, you know, try to help Junior if I can or whatever. But uh, we'll see. Do you have a moment you can remember, and maybe it's more than one moment, where you felt the most burnout in your career? And I'm envisioning, like, I remember as a Fairbury, because I'm from Fairbury, you used to drive from West Virginia Motor overnight to Fairbury on Labor Day weekend. And I I remember being a kid, Billy, thinking, God, he's got to be just, like, he's exhausted, and how could he barely be awake right now? Do you have a moment like that in your career where you remember thinking, Fuck this! I'm done. I cannot do it anymore. Or if you never had that moment. Well, you know, when I raced for GVS, speaking of some long travels, we ran at at uh, West Virginia Motor Speedway. Might have been an NDRA race or something back in the day, and I think we won. And then we ran on the Springfield Mile the next day. <laughs> In Springfield Mile, as you know, you know they the pits open eight, eight or nine in the morning or whatever, and I had a friend go with me, and, and that's one of the first motorhomes I had, and uh, he was he was helping me drive, and but I don't sleep very well. I can't sleep going down the road very often anyway. That's kind of one of my bad points. I I don't know. I just, I can't. I don't sleep good if it you know right. unless I'm in my own damn bed for some reason. But anyway, we drive all night, all night. You know, we got to you know we get there at eight or nine in the morning, and and. Uh, I am about half awake, you know, and I was younger back then. I I don't think I could ever do it. I could do it now, but I'm not, your head isn't the same as when you're younger. You know, you just go without sleep, and when you get older, you can't go without sleep as much, you know. But that, just to try to make a long story short, that particular time there, and I think we won on the mile that day, You too. did, you did, yep. I yeah, remember that. And yeah. It, yeah, and it... it um, you know, I mean, what a cool weekend! It, it you know paid good money at both of them, and and uh, was all was all happy. But to answer your question on being about as burnout as I've ever been, I don't know what year it was, but one of them years during the summer nationals, and this is I don't know what year it was, but we you know we had some trailer tire trouble going from one place to the other in the middle of the night, two or three o'clock in the morning. We had blowouts and we we're in truck stops getting stuff fixed and and get fixed and get to the next race and, and, um, you know, wherever it was. And, and, 
I don't even remember how I'd done, but I think I won the championship that year, but I was just so tired that I, you know, I, I just didn't even want to see a race car or a racetrack or whatever. <laughs> and I, I just, I remember, I think it was like the race before Oakshade and Oakshade. We would, like after the heat race, I'd climb up on top of the trailer where I could kind of see the races a little bit. And I just lay down up there on my back. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and I was like, I don't even want to race. I just want this thing to be over with. You know, I I do remember that that uh, uh, man. It was it was grueling at times, but you know, if everything goes smooth, it, it's not super bad. Yeah. But you know, back back in the Bob Memory days, we never had no days off. You know, they they run every day. You know, and uh, and then when you when you have hauler trouble in the middle of the deal, it really kills you. What is your, you know, you mentioned those overnight stuff. That's actually a perfect segue to my next question. I was going to ask you, what is your craziest travel story? Man, you hear these stories like Mark Richards and some of these guys tell about the tire came off and the trailer caught on fire. And then these, you know, <laughs> it just crazies. What Do you have one of those, Billy, that's like, you'll never believe this shit crazy story all these miles you've been on? Uh, there's a... Uh... There's plenty of them, but I I don't remember them all until somebody sparks, uh, you know, gets my uh, brain thinking and it comes up with, with, you know, I think of something. But the one thing that I do remember, that there's been plenty of them, I'm sure, but that same <laughs> trip when we come to Springfield with my motorhome, when my buddy was helping me drive, the throttle spring on the motorhome broke. <laughs> so when we're coming, we're getting off the interstate there to get fuel somewhere. Like we're still a few hours out of Springfield, and and he don't <laughs> the throttle like stuck like a corner <laughs> open or whatever, and he's freaking out. And I jump up there and knock it into neutral because he just got a push button shifter on them things, you know. And and anyway, it, it's revving up or whatever, and uh, so. We somehow we get into the truck stop and get fuel, and uh, I'm not running with the race rig at that time. We're just kind of running by ourselves, and so I get out there and I rig up some kind of I put some kind of spring on the throttle to pull the damn thing back. First, we didn't even know what was wrong, and we finally figured out what was wrong. I get a garage door spring off of somebody's garage door next door to the truck stop or something, and zip tie the thing on there. And anyway, I get it. I fix it for the meanwhile. Well, then we go to get off the exit to come to Springfield, and and my zip tie broke or something, and it's and it sticks on again, and we're coming off down down through the the roads where the stoplights are, going to the racetrack there, and this thing. I mean, it's wanting to still run fifty five when you need to be stopping. Oh man! So that that was quite the story there. But we made it, and we're we're still here somehow. Uh, yeah, see that again. I bet you there's a hundred of those, right? There's a hundred uh, throttle spring oh, stories. There's, right? Yeah, <laughs> there's. I yeah, Steve. You know, he remembers all that stuff, and I like I said, if somebody kind of starts talking about it and then i guess i it you know it, the light turns back on in my brain i remember some of it but um there, there's been plenty of plenty of road trips that crazy stuff has happened for sure your story's pretty well documented right you're born in iowa you're a successful motorcycle racer you moved to arkansas to kind of hook up with larry shaw how old were you when you went to arkansas um do you remember exactly what year it was and what do you kind of remember most about that time billy because i actually for these interviews i do a lot of research and i called larry and i called petroff and i call these people and i, I get to go and larry shaw remembers every single detail of everything about when you came down there what do you, what do you remember most about going to arkansas to kind of hook up with shaw 
I could, uh, I can, I can relate to that. Larry remembers. Uh, he's got a good memory for sure. But um, try to. This story could take forever, but I'll try to make as quick as I can. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we was racing, um, I think, over in Kansas somewhere. Hutchison, the, Hutchison, yeah, 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 Hutchison Fairgrounds, and and um, I had a a how car that my dad bought back in the day. He helped me do everything back in the beginning, and heck, he's been my greatest supporter, you know. But he he uh, he helped me get going, and then like when I moved to Arkansas down here, I mean, he more or less, you know, he helped me get going. He helped me with a truck and an open trailer and all that back in the day, and and uh, you know, he, he just like pushed me out in the middle of the ocean and said, "Okay, sink or swim, you know, make it happen, or you're going to drown," you know. So he gave me everything it took to 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 do what I love to do and what I needed to do to race, and but it was up to me from that point on to try to to put everything together to keep everything afloat you know and and uh somehow i did but um we went there and we ran into larry down there and and uh buck cadwell was driving his car at that time his kind of his house car and they uh they kicked our butt down there and i was young i, I don't remember how maybe 18 or something and um so my dad, he's one of them guys that you know he's he's still like that today. If if a Coronet engine's winning, oh, we got to have a Coronet. If it's a <laughs> if it's a Warrior race car, we got to have a Warrior. Race. I mean, he just whatever you know that that's whatever win. That's what he thinks he's got to have. You know, so he's you know he's always blowing in my ear. You know, and uh, so anyway, we we talked to Larry there and ordered up a Larry Shaw car, and um, he got it got it built for us and I come down and got it and brought it back home and put the motor all in it and everything back in Iowa and um then the I think it was the first race we raced it I went to uh Lakeside Kansas City and uh <clears throat> the right front shock mount broke off of it like in, during the heat race I think it pulled out of the frame and when that happened the right front dug in and, and I flipped and went over the wall and uh, back in the day, anybody remembers old Lakeside Turn oh, yeah. Three? At the, yeah. the other side of the hill was a, the other side of the fence. I mean, that thing went straight down. And I remember I went off that thing, and luckily I landed on my on the nose of the car when I went over there when I first hit. And I it when I hit the when I hit the nose, and luckily it flipped back and landed on the wheels instead of let, going on its top, or it could. have kept flipping clear on down the bank because I'm, I'm like halfway down the bank I stopped and <laughs> but anyway that first hit when I hit I mean I thought somebody hit me right in the back with a baseball bat you know it it uh anyway it didn't hurt me and um I get out of there and um we get it all shoveled back on the old open trailer and come back home and my dad wasn't with me that night he didn't go and so the next day, he comes out to my shop there in, in Iowa, and uh, I had no farmhouse in the shop out back, and and everything that ever happened was always my fault. You know, like <laughs> you know, I went over the wall because it's you know it's something I done. You know, <laughs> you know sure. just, if a mo- if a motor blew, I I always had too much gear in it. It, it, it was always my fault. There's nothing that somebody else that could have. A rod bolt broke. No, rod bolt didn't break. You had too much damn gear in it. You know, <laughs> that that that's kind of what I had to live with all the time. But uh, uh, anyway, 
he um, he gets out there and looks at the car, and we argue back and forth a little bit. And I'm, I'm sore, you know. It beat me up pretty good. And uh, uh, so he calls Larry up on the phone and and um, uh, says, "Hey, this this thing uh, it looks like something broke on the front of this car." And, and he flipped that thing and and uh, bent the front end up. Can can you fix it for us? So Larry says, "Well, yeah, bring it down here and let we're, let me uh, let me fix it." So I load the thing. Well, it's still loaded. I didn't even unload it off the trailer. You know, I, I wait a day or two to get my bearings back together a little bit. And so I drive back down here to Arkansas, and uh, we unload the car and start working on it. And, uh, you know, when they put it up on the jig, it's bent everywhere but the cage. You know, the cage is still good. The tail's bent. The front's bent. So... Larry said, well, we can fix it, you know, but it, it's way more than just needing the front clip on it or something. So uh, he calls my dad, and like I told you earlier there at that time, he was helping me pay for everything, yeah. and my dad was. And so my dad tells him, well, fix that thing then. And uh, Larry says, okay, so he gets it fixed. And it was like, I think it was $8,700 to fix the thing back in the day. Wow. And... uh uh, Larry calls my dad and says, well, okay, it's $8,700. We got the thing fixed. And, uh, he says, how do you want to, how are you going to pay for this? He said, well, you know, my dad and Shaw, they're both Wheeler dealers. So my dad says, this is how my whole thing started in Arkansas. He says, let me, uh, why don't you just let Billy move down there in your basement and just live in your basement there. And, uh, <laughs> here, here, pay you back for that car. Here, pay you back what he owes you for that car out of what he wins with with the car. And, and Larry don't know me much from Adam. Hell, I'm a young kid at that time. I might have won three or four races before I come down here. I don't even remember that part. But So the wheeler dealer Larry is, you know, and my dad, they're both there, they're wheeling and dealing. And Larry says, all right. He said, I'll, I'll do that. So I, uh, you know, I just end up staying here, living in Larry's basement with Kevin and Kirk down there. They're in one area and I'm in the other. And, uh, <laughs> And, you know, so one thing leads to another, and again, I'm working my butt off and getting the thing fixed, so the race comes up in, um, uh, over in Oklahoma, and uh, so, all right, we load up and go, Larry goes with me, and we go over there, and Larry Phillips, he's the king back then, oh, you know, yeah. he, won every, he yeah. won everything back in here, so we go over there, and, and the first race out, I win, beat Phillips, he runs second, so it paid three grand. So, I mean, I, I couldn't believe it. Larry couldn't believe it, you know, so, you know, we, uh, we don't know who, uh, if the driver's good or the car is good or what's happening, we're doing good. So we come back home and, uh, paid three grand. Well, I, I give Larry like two grand on that Monday or Tuesday, whatever it was. And he said, well, you're going to give me all this. And I said, well, I told you that's what the deal was. My dad said, and so take two grand off my bill. So I just kept the other thousand or whatever just to pay my gas and buy some new tires with or whatever. Back then we didn't have to buy new tires every time we yeah. did the track like we did today. But so anyway, the ne- the next week another race comes up and I think it was in Oklahoma City this time, and uh, we go to it and we win again. Same thing, three thousand and, and and Phillips runs second and he's getting so mad he can't he can't stand <laughs> this punk kid from punk kid from Iowa coming down here beating him, you know. And uh, so I do the same thing with Larry. So now I got him four grand paid back. 
and anyway, that went on for um, for four races. Out of four, we won three, and one of them I run second. I went to Fort Smith, and Larry Phillips really was the king there. He beat me at Fort Smith, and we run second. So the year was over then because this is fall. This is the fall time, and and so it, the season was over. So I I go back home at that time, and then Cecil Harlan was the promoter at at Fort Smith, that he calls me up, this is like in March, you know, like the season even started in Iowa yet, you know. So he said, hey, Moyer, he said, um, I'm having a race down here, and Phillips is the king, and he said, I, I need somebody to give him some competition. He said, well, you, he said, I'll give you 500 bucks and all your pit passes if you come down here. Well, shit, I, when he said that, I about flipped over. I said, what time do you want me there in the morning? Or whatever? <laughs> I mean, I couldn't believe you. Know, I said, "Hell, I'm Dale Earnhardt. This cat's giving me five hundred bucks to drive down here." <laughs> so anyway, I, that's how I loaded up and come down there. And, and to tell you the truth, I really don't remember how I done that race. If I beat Phillips or he beats me, I don't remember how we done for sure at that one. But then after that, then the season was starting down here in the south, and and so I just ended up staying down here and living in Larry's basement, and then that's how it all started, and we went on from there. Well, by the way, I have to, uh, might have a bone to pick with you about this basement. Shaw tells me that you tell everybody that his basement was like some dirty, dank cellar, and he goes, hell, he goes, he goes, Michael, he goes, we had a swimming pool and a fully furnished basement. Moyer likes to tell people he was living in a prison down there. So which was it? <laughs> which, which was it? Was the basement nice or not? I'd like to know. No, I don't know where he ever got that. I never told anybody it was bad. No, if I remember, he did have a pool out back, and it, the basement was finished. It uh, it wasn't a cellar by any means. All it right. was nice. And I, if I remember right, it might have had like a – you know, walk in, sliding glass doors in the back level. You know, that went out into the pool level there that he had. You know, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't right. bad at all. You know, it just it's not like being in your own house by any means. <laughs> but heck, when you're when you're 20 years old or whatever it was, it heck, I you know, it didn't matter. I'd sleep in the out on the grass if I had to at that time. You know, but we have um, it, we've we've talked a lot about miles and travel and just kind of this undying commitment that you have to this. But I want to know what toll did it take on you personally? I mean, it, you know, again, this this interview is all about being honest. You know, you've been through a divorce. You've had other things happen to you personally. Just what toll, Billy, has has dirt late model racing racing taken on your life? Well, <clears throat> like I said there earlier, it, it's it's I've I've loved it and it's been very good to me. It's been a lot of work, but. Uh, it's you know I love it and it's been good to me. But the, the the biggest thing is is just being gone all the time and, and like we talked about there earlier, you know, just the windshield time. I mean, man, all the all the hours that I've I mean, some of these truck drivers that got their million mile belts, they ain't got shit on me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you know that's the thing that I probably really miss and just. Uh, you know, and and uh, I have a hard time with with Junior. Even you know, at times, you know, he gets feeling bad that I wasn't here for him when he was a young kid playing baseball and basketball, and and uh, I was every time I was home. You know, I like going to them games and watching with Cody and Jody. I mean, heck, I I like going to them ball games and watching. You know, but he he gives me trouble that I wasn't there a lot of times, but. Uh, I feel like I was when I could be, and you know, like I told him, he's he continues to follow a series like he's doing now with Lucas Oil. You know, it may not be this year, but just say in two years, you know, he's 
he's you know up in the points and and, and uh, running in the top five in points, and you got to keep going. And he's going to have to be in Hagerstown, Maryland, when when uh, little Howie has got a baseball game or a dance recital or something, and maybe the light will turn back on his head then, uh, where I was at, you know. You know, I thought about you and Junior, and and I know that, right? Junior and I are pretty close, and I know he has some of those feelings about. It, it, yeah. I think he struggles with that, right? About you were gone so much, but then I watched that documentary on Michael Jordan, right? And Michael Jordan gave his life to basketball, and I think that's hard on his. If you're going to be Michael Jordan and you are Michael Jordan, it's it's hard to balance that, isn't it? I'd have to imagine it's not an easy balance to strike. Well, you're one hundred percent right, right there. You, you, you just you give your life to the to the racing, and you got to be selfish too, you know. And and I don't, you know, have whatever the good way to say that is, you know. You just you got to be selfish to your, you know, yourself. You just got to be selfish, and it just to to do what you do to to stay on top and to win the races, and and you know I. You know, if I'd made myself some notes when I was going to talk to you, I, I could have wrote down a, two pages or ten pages worth <laughs> of stuff I could have talked about for sure. But just so many things that I, you know, that I forget to say that you know through the career that's went on that it just uh, uh, it's not always as rosy as what it looks like when you're sitting there holding the checker flag. You know, I mean that's what it's all about. But there's just so many behind the scene things. You know. It's hard to talk about Billy Moyer and not talk about Scott Bloomquist. You are, yeah. you will forever be linked as the two greatest dirt late model drivers. When, when somebody tries to bring up to me, and this is no disrespect to these guys, Freddie or Charlie or Larry, it, it just it, none of them are you two. You two are the greatest ever. There is no disputing that. And your careers and your ages are similar enough that you've kind of come up together. And you guys, to me, are... You've been such a part of the DNA of the sport for 40 years together. And I want to touch on a few of those things with him. Just some some quick things about Scott. What is the nicest thing that you can say about Scott Bloomquist, <laughs> Billy? The nicest thing? The nicest thing, yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. For the most part, I will say when you're racing the guy, me and him has had a time or two when we, you know, we uh, thought each other done something wrong as far as on the racetrack or run you all over up and down the track or whatever. But for the most part, I can say uh, racing with him that he's that he drives you clean. You know, he's not one of them guys that when you're underneath him, he runs down across your right front. You know, or when you're, you know, when he's you know, on the outside of him, he runs you up in the wall. You know, so. That's one thing that I would say about him that uh, he's always, uh, yeah. for the most part, uh, you know, raced me clean. I think he'd say the same thing about you, and has said the same thing about you. Um, but while we're on that topic, what's the maddest you've ever been at him? Do you remember, like, God damn, I'm mad at him right now? <laughs> do you have Do you have one that sticks out? Well, I remember. I don't even remember what happened on the racetrack, but it was at at West Liberty, Webster City, Iowa. Me and him, it might have been back in the World Outlaw days. Something happened there where I was better than him that night, and he, I'm underneath him, and he ran me down, and I hit a uke tire or something there and tore my car up, and uh, I was about ready to fight that night. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, but you know, but you know, a couple of days later, we all got over it, and it was all okay. You know, but, I, I think that you think, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I am literally putting words in your mouth here. So correct me if I'm wrong. That I, th- you, and, and maybe more people in your camp, Junior Stevie. They get a little tired of all the dramatics that have surrounded Scott over the years, right? This guy was winning as prolifically as you were, but with Scott, it's always something, right? There's always a flair for the dramatic or the controversial. Did that wear thin with you that, you know, he's winning with me, but God, every time it's something. Because I know that bothers your fans maybe more than it bothers you. Help me out there on that. Well, it it don't bother me like it bothers the fans, you know, but he... You know, he always is on the edge of the controversy. I mean, as everybody knows, I don't have to say that, but he, you know, there's, a, he's always uh, trying to come up. You know, but he's just working hard. You know, trying to to win races. You know, and he he just always comes up with with a, a widget that nobody else has. You know, and and yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you got to you got to congr- congratulate him for that in one way. You know, he's always working hard on trying to to uh, do something that, you know, make his car, his tires, whatever it is, better. You know, like when they come up with all the heavy axle tube stuff and all the stuff they've done that I don't know how he comes up with that stuff. That, But, you know, it, uh, you know, he's always on the on the leading edge of, of making the car fast, you know. And like I was talking about earlier, you know, uh, it's where... You know how much of it was the driver, or how much was it the car? You know, I, I think for him, a lot of times he had a car that was just a lot better than everybody else's. You know. Yeah. Do you? I'm going to ask you this, and I'd really prefer you not dodge it, but I'm. I I I think you're going to dodge it, but I don't want you to dodge it. Do you think you're better than him? <laughs> I don't. I don't want to say that either. I. Uh, uh, I knew you dodge it. I, I, I think knew we. It. I, I knew I, it. <laughs> yeah. I think we both have our moments, you know, like, you know, I think we both have our track conditions where one's better than the other, you know, I'll, I'll put it like that. I'll accept that. I'm willing to accept that answer, actually. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, last thing about Scott, what is the most meaningful conversation you've ever had with him? Do you ever remember a time where you and him actually really sat down and just was like, God, you know, we're really having a hell of a good talk here. I was thinking maybe in those early World of Outlaw days when you're kind of sh- changing the sport or, or, you know, do you have anything that sticks out? You know, I don't really. I, I um, for as, as long as we've been around each other, um, I've never really ever talked to him a whole lot. You know, we uh, at the racetrack, we've passed and bypassed, but never really talked much. Now. You know, back when they were trying to put that dirty dozen thing together, and they had that meeting at his house and all that, you know, and I went over there, and and it's been so long ago. You know, we talked, and and but I don't remember really what we talked about. I was just then trying to get a racing program put together, you know. But um, that that's um, we talked then, but just as far as is like you know, for forty years of racing together. He's just not one that I, I guess, because we're both maybe so competitive that we just don't talk that much. You know, there's been any more, if we do talk, it just seems like we ask each other something about tires or whatever. You know, like when he's up in uh, in my neck of the woods, maybe in the Midwest or wherever, where I race, you know, here come by and say, hey, is this, you know, what is this tire? Do I need this? Do I need that? You know, and, and uh, heck, I don't ever lie to him. I tell him what I think. Sometimes it's right, sometimes it's wrong, you know, and then um, I've done the same thing. You know, he's done the same thing with me if I'm racing, you know, down in the 
in Tennessee or in the South somewhere that he's more familiar with, you know. You know, I do a ton of last couple questions here, too, and you've been an amazing sport so far. I, I got some good insight. I, I do a ton of research on these interviews. I talked to eight different people before I talked to you. Um, and I got some good insight from somebody about you, and they said that you are better with your feet in the race car than anybody else is with a steering wheel. This person's exact quote was, what Moyer does with his feet is art. What do you think when you hear a quote like that? And, and do you agree that, I'm not going to say the only key to your success is your feet, but what does that mean? When this person says that, what, what are they getting at, Billy? Well, there's a lot of truth to that. And it's not anything that I practiced or, you know, it was just, it was a God-given talent to me, I guess, because there's definitely a lot of what goes on with that gas pedal and the brake pedal, you know, and, and the steering wheels all got to work together. And, and, uh, yeah, um, it's just something, I guess, that I was born with that, uh, enabled me to, to do what I needed to do. But, you know, to, to tell you a real quick story back in my motorcycle days, I, I used to race, you know, sometimes I race three classes, you know, but not very often, but most time I, I run a 250 and then the open class and, and I would run a, uh, I had an AJS at one time that shifted on the right. Most bikes shift on the left. Right. So my, my AJS was a 250 that I raced in the 250 class. It shifted on the right. Well, I'd run that, and then right after the 250, there's not even a race in between. And then you get like 10 minutes in the open class races. So my uncle would have my other bike there for me up on the starting line. I'd come in, I'd jump right on the second bike and go, well, it shifted on the left. So my one bike shifted on the right, and the brake was on the left, and my other bike shifted on the left, and the brake was on the right. And people, you talk about blowing people's mind, they couldn't figure out how I could do that, jump off of one right and the other, and you know, you know, and you don't miss gears, and you know, and you're flying off of jumps and all that, and you don't hit the brake pedal right, you're going to go for a ride, you know, and just, you know, it's just a God-given talent, I guess, I had that I could do things like that. But they don't have nothing to do with the race car, what you do with the pedals, but it's just something that your mind and your and your hands are all working together, you know. And, uh, wow. you know, like I tell people a lot of times, too, that, that I've said this at East Bay, a lot of times as slick as that place gets down there at times, that uh, I said, just picture yourself, uh, when I got done winning one of them last races I won down there, I said, just picture yourself out in the middle of a lake and you're standing on top of a telephone pole and you're trying to keep from falling in the water. You know what you're doing with your feet? Yeah. You're going this way, you're going that way, you're going this way, you're going that way. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's a lot of, you know, it's not that bad in the car, but there's definitely a lot of that that egg on the gas pedal. I, you know, I, I tell a lot of my customers, you know, just pretend there's an egg between your foot and the gas pedal. You know, you just got to be gentle with it and be... You know, and you got to feel in your butt of what the car is doing, and, and uh, it's just like I said, it isn't anything that I ever practiced or whatever. It's just uh, uh, lucky that I I got that talent from God, I guess. That same person that said that about your feet also said this exact quote: "Moyer is like Madonna; he keeps reinventing himself." <laughs> have you have you ever <laughs> been compared to Madonna before? Is what I'd like to know. I don't know. That's a new one there. I've not heard that one. I don't know. I keep, uh, I don't, you know, when I, I just, you know, like I said, I want to, at the end of this year, I'm more than likely going to be finished. And I, um, I'd like to, I, I, I'm going to go down swing and I'm going to go down, uh, hopefully running no 10th and 15th all the time. I, 
these cars today are just so so complicated that uh, man, I you just you run real good one night and think, man, I I got it where I need to be, and then heck, the next night you're in the B main. You know, it just it's just crazy nowadays. Uh, trying to stay on top of this stuff. One of the most Moyer things ever, this is a memory I personally have, it's the Thaw Brawl at Volunteer in the in the 90s. The Thaw Brawl at Volunteer rains out at Bulls Gap. It's a March race. You know how they always had that March race? It was always 12 degrees, snowing sideways, barely they ever got it in. It rains yeah. out early in the afternoon. Most of the guys there, because I remember I was a kid walking through the pits. I heard these guys, I'm not going to say who, they're like, let's go drinking, let's go to the casino, they call it off. No, no, not Billy Moyer. You drove to Moulton, Alabama that night and won $4,000. And, you know, here's what I always think is bullshit. You get this tag as a cherry picker a lot for stuff like that. And whenever somebody calls you a cherry picker, I'm like, I'll remind you, the guy's got six six fucking globes. James Essex always looks at me and says, six fucking globes. So whenever somebody calls you a cherry picker, I say, a reminder, the guy's got six fucking globes. Do you ever have, do you have any thoughts on that cherry picker label? It's obviously nonsense, right? You've won everything there is to win, but you know, it's the Moulton Alabama is where you get that, right? You just wanted to race, right? That's why you're going to Moulton. That's that's you're that's exactly right. I mean, you know, I hear that a lot, you know, that you know, the cherry picking this, cherry picking that, but all I can say is is, you know, is Anybody can be lazy and just go to the casino, like you was just saying. You know, I'm I'm out beating up and down the road, racing, doing what I'd love to do. You know, but it, but you know, you got bills to pay, and and uh, <laughs> if I'm sitting here in Baseville, Arkansas, I can go down the road here to Memphis or whatever, two hours down the road, and win a two or three thousand win race. Then I'm going to go down there and try to win the two or three thousand race to pay my darn light bill and stuff instead of driving to the World Outlaws might be at. Florence, Kentucky, you know, but, you know, I'm not going to go there when I can go two or three hours from home. You know, no, I'm not winning 10,000 like it might have been in Kentucky. I'm, I'm winning 3,000. But when you figure up, you know, all the all the travel expenses, da, 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 you know, I'm really money ahead. You know, so that's where a lot of people label it cherry pick and whatever. But I, there's, there's uh, that, that, I think I've heard you say that word needs to go bye bye. <laughs> there ain't no cherry. There ain't you know. I'm going to tell people too. You know, nowadays if you just stumble into anywhere on a weekly series or or any kind of just a, whatever a, a, the Mississippi State Championship series or the comp cams things here that's kind of close to me. You know, you get you just just anybody. It's supposed to be a badass wants to come in there and tangle onto them guys. I mean, you know, if they run three nights in a row, you might win one of them. You don't win all three of them. You know, they've got some good cars that, doing that stuff. We talk a lot about the greatest season ever lately. You know, Jonathan Davenport's season there, <laughs> or, you know, a few years ago, Brandon Shepard last year. People forget. I go, whoa, whoa, everybody. Con Billy Moyer in 1996. First year in the GVS car, won 31 races, won the Have a Tampa title. You were just unrelenting that year. You won every race I think I saw you race at. Do you stack that year up there? Because, you know, it's hard to compare eras, but that 96 Have a Tampa title in that GVS car, you guys were unbelievably good that year. Yeah, we, we were, you know, and then just Joel was very good at putting the right people in the right places, and we had all the right stuff, and 
and uh, you know had a heck of a season. But you know, I will tell you this: if I if I look through, like Joyce was very good at keeping records, she'd probably dig around and find that stuff somewhere. But one year, I won forty three races at some time in the eighties. We won forty three features. Wow! I think I think out of eighty six or something one year and then the next year we won uh like 39 or something then like you just talking about gvs so that's another thing that that a lot of people don't understand that you know for me um when you're used to you know i i'd win 43 races out of out of 83 or 86 whatever well you know i'm winning 50 percent of the time well when you don't do that no more. Like speaking to Michael Jordan or whatever, you know, it's, it is hard to handle. It's hard for yourself to get up every day and and think that you're not doing something right, that you're failing when you've had seasons like that. And I've had more than one or two seasons like that. I've had, I've had a lot of seasons that I've won a lot of races. And then, you know, and then, then when you're not doing that, you know, it, it's it's hard on you. You know, it, it's very hard on you. And it just, uh, you know, most people don't realize that. Your crew with that GVS bunch, Ronnie Stuckey, Stevie Norris, Randall Edwards, Keith Edwards, I, I always, and I'm, I'm probably romanticizing this because I was a 14 or 15-year-old kid. I just keep thinking to myself, has there ever been a pound-for-pound pound better dirt late model crew than that? <laughs> a, a Ronnie, Stevie, Randall, and Keith, I mean, well-known, respected guys. Um, that had to be a pretty fun to roll into the track with those four guys, I think. Y- your shit had to be pretty ready every night, I think. And then you put you in the car. That's an unbelievable combination, man. Uh, it was. It, it just like I said, Joel knew how to put the right people in the right places, and, and they had the money behind them, and that was a lot of fun back in them days. Yeah, that uh, them guys, them crew guys, were all great guys, and the, they'd done their job to the perfection. You know, everything was done right, and and uh, you know, and then hopefully I'd done my job right, and we won the races. You know, just very seldom we fell out because something happened, and. He had dream engines back in the day that were they were really good engines and we had very few problems and uh uh you know they just yeah just the good old days everything uh the yeah them crew guys are are uh, you know all done a heck of a job on on all of them from the guy that you know that done the tires do the body work everything that was done they uh you know and Joel back then you know he had four or five uh four or five workers you know on the car. And you know, heck, I don't, I, I don't know if I've ever had that since then. You know, I, <laughs> me and it's just been me and Steve here lately. For the, you know, and it, it's it's uh, when you got that kind of help behind you, you know, it just it makes you know your program go so much nicer. You know. Speaking of Stevie, you have a relationship that is the white whale in dirt late model racing. Thirty pushing thirty plus pushing forty years. That does not happen in dirt track racing. It just does not happen. How the hell have you two made it work this long? Because the only thing I can figure is it's a love story. You guys, you know, man to man, you you really, it's a love story, right? I mean, we're talking 40 (laughs) years with Stevie, Billy. It's pretty incredible. Well, it is. And and he's just, you know, he's a one of a kind guy, you know, and I, uh, uh, you know, it's more him putting up with me than me putting up with him. I mean, he he is he needs a medal to to put up with my cra- with my crabby ass a lot of times. I'll tell you, it's I ain't gonna take the credit. It's 
he's put up with me and when I uh, I don't know I don't throw temper tantrums but I I can be an asshole when I want to be <laughs> and and he's always he's always stood beside me and put up with me you know being mad at him for doing something stupid or whatever and 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 uh anyway it would just uh, it just uh, yeah I'd have never believe it that uh that it would last this long like that but uh what's the what's uh, I've the been you know it, it's just good you know it's been good for both of us i've been so mad at him a couple of times yeah I've, <laughs> I've wanted to kill him and he's wanted to kill me <laughs> i was gonna ask you that what's the worst fight do you remember what the worst fight is have you ever struck each other with a a piece of the car i mean is it what's the worst it's gotten well i don't even like to talk about this much but <laughs> i want to hear it you've already started you got to finish now <laughs> This happened at Fairbury about three years ago. It, it, I think it was at the Summer National Race about three years ago. And Steve, he's kind of straightened up some now, but as everybody knows out there, they call him the beer man. You know, he likes to drink. Yep. So he got the word this particular night here in hot laps, the transmission broke. And I had one other guy helping me besides Steve. And... uh transmission broken hot laps I, whatever year it was we was kind of in the point thing that year i guess however long ago that's been maybe it'd been far longer than three years ago all this stuff runs together to me but <laughs> anyway i come in and you know you can't put them cars on a lift to get, you can't get the transmission out of them you know you can't on well, the lift's great but you can't work in the middle of the car on the lift so we got to get the jack out jack stands we're we're in a rush trying to get ready to qualify and and I'm hollering at him, and, and like he's in, you know, like, I don't know what you call him, he's in slow motion, you know, he's in no man's land, and he's just like slurring, and he's <laughs> fucking around, and I mean, you talk, this is the time I want to kill him, <laughs> and it's hot, naturally, you know, hotter than heck, and this other guy, this other guy that I got hired to help me, he's wanting to quit, I ain't working with this damn drunk, look at this idiot, you know, and... <laughs> And you know, again, I love the guy, but that time, you know, he's he's there's been a couple times like that, but he's straightened up here in the last few years finally. But uh, um, so anyway, we, you know, I'm underneath the car trying to get the transmitter drive shaft out of it, and somebody else is up there taking the transmission out, and we're rushing, 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 and uh, so. Um, me and the other guy was underneath there, and I think I had him go do something, Steve. And he come back, and he he was might have been carrying the other transmission back, and he like tripped and fell, and he fell down right by the right door, kind of where I was working. And I got up, and you know you could just smell it on him, the beer, you know. And and I friggin' hauled off, and I cussed at him, you know. And anyway, he I swung at him. It, but I missed, and then so he took off around the nose of the car, and I'm I'm right after him. I'm chasing after him. I'm gonna tackle the some bitch. I'm madder than hell. <laughs> and and again, he ran around the front of the car, and I'm trying to kick him in the ass and swing at him again. Every anyway, I think I might have I might have hit him with the one time when I swung at him once, but he got away from me for the most part. <laughs> you know, so that was the worst time ever. But and I don't even like to talk about it. But I think back. Of the people that was pitted beside me, you know, and for my sponsors on the car, they're thinking, what kind of clown show is more you're running here? <laughs> Jesus Christ, you know. I. Uh, that's a good, <laughs> that, that's a good story. One, yeah, that's a, that one thing I've always tried to do with the, with the sponsors on my car, when their name's on that car, you know, I, I try to, 
I try to keep my act clean and, and race on the racetrack the way that people would want their name to be out there, not running over everybody and not cussing and fighting and stuff, you know, after the race and just try to keep a clean program if I can, you know. Last couple things here. This is such a basic question, but I feel like I have to ask it because you're Billy Moyer. Do you have one race that you remember more than any other? Like, is there one moment in your career that you really remember more than ever, any other? You know, most of them all all run together, and I I forget them as quick as I win them. But the one, you know, now that you said that, the one thing for some reason that sticks in my mind more than the World 100 or the Dream or whatever, the Topless, the Show Me, whatever it might have been, when we were at running for the World Outlaw Championship the last year I won it, and we're down there at Volusia County, and I passed Francis for the to win the championship on the on the white flag lap. Yeah. If he would have beat me, he would have won the championship. And and uh, I don't know somehow, you know, if he was he was running in front of me the whole race. And uh, I, Scott won that race. Yep. And and, and uh, Francis, I think, was second, and I was back as far as fifth or sixth at one time. And somehow, when I just with it, when ten to go, something inside me done something. I just had to make something happen, and I here I come, and I uh, and I got by him on the white flag lap and won the championship, paid one hundred twenty five thousand that year. That's a hell of a that's that, a, that's a a worthy pass <laughs> at the end of a race. Yeah, yeah, that yeah that. Uh, I just I don't even know how I done it how I put whatever happened happened again I don't know like uh, you know stuff like that do you before we get to the true or false questions to end do you care about your legacy at all do you care about what people are going to say about you twenty five years from now like I really want to know do you care I wouldn't. I don't know really how to, to answer that. I, you know, I'd like people to think, you know, say good things about me and think the right thing about me, not, not saying, oh, he's so old, whatever you want to call me. You know, I, I, uh, you know, I could live with either way. I mean, it ain't like I'm gonna have a shorter life if they don't speak highly of me. But if they, if they do speak highly, I mean, I guess I'm gonna have a smile on my face. <laughs> so yes and no, I guess is the answer basically. Well, I, yeah, I, I guess I, you know, I guess I didn't answer a yes or no type thing, but that, that's kind of how I feel. I, um, like I said, I ain't gonna let it completely kill me if they talk bad, but I hope they they don't. One thing I'm gonna sneak in before I get to my true or false questions: somebody's starting a dirt late model career right now. There's a 20 year old out there starting right now. Uh, you started, you know, when you were 18, 19, 20. You don't have to give me some enormously long answer here, but I just what are, right away biggest differences now starting as a twenty year old Billy Moyer starting as a twenty year old. What are just the biggest differences that a guy would face now versus when you started? <laughs> well, the biggest difference now is the cost of everything yeah, is like so quadruples. But but you know the the thing back when I started, we everything we just kind of um done by seat of the pants on as far as how we adjusted on the car and uh there wasn't no crew chiefs and all that you know back in the day it was just there were crew chiefs yeah but i mean the the driver just i can just remember back the way i would groove my tires or the way i'd move my wheelbase here or there and i i kept it to myself i didn't tell nobody what i was doing you know i just kept 
things to myself. And nowadays, with the twenty-year-old guy that's starting right now, all he's got to do is pick up the phone, and yeah. whatever chassis manufacturer he's got, they're going to guide him along to a list of twenty-five things to do to your car through the night. That you know, back when I started, we we didn't have that. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, just, I mean, they want to talk too, right? Like, <laughs> it's not only do they pick up the cell phone, the 20 year old wants to tell the other guy what he's doing now. And I think that's different too. Yeah, that, you're right. That's the way I, you know, that was back in the day when I was younger too. You know, I was just one that I was the one to keep it to myself. And a lot of them guys, when they, when they, uh, well, I changed my spring and, and put a 350 in the right front instead of the 400, and they just can't wait to go tell somebody what they've done to win the race, you know? And I'm thinking, that that, that just ain't me, you know? <laughs> We're going to end this with some fun here. Last piece of this interview I always do are true or false questions, all right? And they're, um, these are all things I've picked up on from other folks I've talked to you about. It's the last couple minutes here, all right? True or false, all right? All these guys, I got uh, one, two, three, four, five, six of these. First question, true, true or false, Billy Moyer? You once attended a Thanksgiving dinner where Scott Bloomquist was also at that Thanksgiving dinner. True or false? True. <laughs> can, can you get a, a little detail? You're both dating same family members. Is that right? What happened there? Well, my um, uh, Joyce's sister's uh, daughter, he went out with her for a while. Missy's her name. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, he went out with her for a while. And uh, I remember him being there. I don't remember whose house we was at. Maybe it was Larry's house or something. I don't know. But we... The, uh, he was there at Thanksgiving, yes. <laughs> uh, I don't know why. I just cannot get enough of that story. I'm just trying to envision the two of you, you know, past the turkey, past the <laughs> stuffing. I don't know. It's just something about that story I love. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was all good. Second question, uh, true or false, you won a Magnolia State 100 in 2011. We know that part's true. That year, they let the crate cars run with you guys, and they had a 12-inch spoiler. Your spoiler was supposed to be nine inches, but that night I was looking back at some photos. Your spoiler was more like ten and a half inches, maybe eleven. True or false? <laughs> That's false. They all, I all got blamed for having the big spoiler on there. But we, uh, we didn't have a big spoiler on there. All right, all right. I, again, these are true or false. These are your. You can answer uh, honest. I believe you. I believe you. I just wanted to get to the okay. bottom of that one. So okay, uh, uh, I've heard. Yeah, we were we, we were all right. True. Uh, third one, true or false? You're a really healthy eater. I'm hearing that you eat very healthy, or at least you used to eat incredibly healthy, and you don't really eat junk food. Is that true or false? That's true. Wow, just you've always been that. You work out too, right? Kind of a healthy guy. Well, I try to be. I, I uh, you know, I got a little workout room here in my basement, and, and uh, you know, I don't do it near as much as I need to. But I, I try to. In the winter time, I get down there. In the summer, just everything's going so wide open. I don't, I don't have the time. But I'm, I'm far from any muscle man, Hulk Hogan, whatever. <laughs> I'm, I'm the farthest thing from that. But I, I just try to keep my heart rate good, and uh, I, you know, I, I got to. You know, when I go to the doctor and they they can't believe my heart rate. You know, like in, like when I'm a I'm resting or whatever, I only got like a 56 heart oh, rate. Jeez, yes. Yeah, yeah I, I got. I can show you on my watch someday. You know, it's crazy. You know, but I, uh, you know, like a like a a well trained athlete has. You know, and then my doctors they say, man, they, they can't believe what they're seeing it. I can't believe it either. <laughs> we're, we're, I think you're a robot. I always knew it. I actually think you're a robot. Um, <laughs> True. This is my favorite. True or false? True or false? Uh, your box truck broke down on the way to a race once. This is way back in the day. But in that box truck, you had a moped. You then took the moped to a parts store to get parts for the race car. 
But while you were on the moped, you had your brother's driver's license because you may or may not have had a license at the time. You got pulled over by a cop on a moped trying to get parts. Is that a true or false story? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's really... There's both parts of that true and false. Okay, help me out. Help me out. Yeah, well, I've got pulled over before uh, driving my brother's car once, and they took me to jail because they thought I was him. Okay, okay. But that really wasn't on a race car rendezvous. That was just on another rendezvous. (laughs) Is there a moped piece to that? I don't know who's telling you all that, but there's some truth to that, and then is it mixed up a little bit? Yeah, well, listen, these stories are 40 years ago, right? So some of these guys, they're not as sharp as you so is there a mo <laughs> is there a moped piece to that though you had a moped or a scooter or something do you remember that at all or no i don't remember that i, I mean i got a little you know i got little scooters now like a little motorcycle mini bike thing that we carry in the hauler in the motorhome you know where we can shoot around on the pits and stuff but you know back in the day when we had a cube van uh I don't remember having one back that far. What if back, I told you? I what if I said the name Denny Fuller with that story? Would that help? Would that Denny, <laughs> Denny Fuller? Yeah. Would, would that... Well, I'm telling you, he's got a pretty good memory. If he <laughs> says that that's what happened, I would probably agree with that. That's what he said. That's probably what happened. All right. Final <laughs> question of the interview: True or false? Back in the day, I hate to use the term "trashed." But you guys were pretty hard on rental cars, uh, Days of Thunder style. True or false? <laughs> That's true. We've, had, <laughs> we've, we've been hard on some rental cars. We've, we've tore up some rental cars. <laughs> uh, and listen, I'm not telling you to say what company or what year, but do you have a, do you have a, a memorable – you didn't like uh, to flip a rental car or anything, did you? I don't remember the years, but I remember Pennsboro is where we, we – uh, Shit, we'd race them in the Holiday Inn parking lot oh, up there God. around the light poles and just completely, we'd tore about six of them up one time. But <laughs> And then that, just a quick story, that Shoney's that used to be down the, you know, down there on the corner when he's going to the Pennsboro yep. racetrack there in Parkersburg, there's that Shoney's there. And one of my, one of my uh, crew or my sponsors, somebody there is my uncle who it was, uh, Waters, it's always been on the spoiler yeah. of my car. He had a Lincoln uh, town car four-door, and we'd been racing it, and we had like all four corners of it bent up from running into each other. And <laughs> anyway, we went in there and ate and come out, and this animal, we call him Animal, this big guy that used to help me, boy, he's about 300 back in the day, and he don't he don't even drink, but you'd think he did. He's crazy. And he we come out of that Shoney's, and he come running out of there like a wild man, and jumped up the back bumper onto the trunk and jumped up on the hood, on the roof of this Lincoln Town car and jumped up and jumped on it like a trampoline and bowed the roof in clear down to where it hit the seats. Oh God! <laughs> so then the, we we pried one door open. Well, then they wouldn't shut. We got in there on our back and put our feet up against the roof of the oh, car. Oh my God! And, and pushed the roof of this Lincoln back up. Oh God! So. Uh, <laughs> I don't even yeah, have the words for animal. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, my dad's tore up a couple of them too. We he tore one up down. This was in Florida one time, and tore the back bumper off of it. And he come running out there, and we're all laughing and can't even stand up. We're laughing so hard. He says, "Throw that bumper in the back." What? <laughs> Throw that bumper in the back seat. We're gonna go down the road and have a wreck somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> a wreck somewhere else. Uh, I want to finish up, Billy. Here's some things that people said about you. Um, first one, the sport of dirt late model racing is better for him having given his life to it. Another one, when you outrun Billy Moyer, it feels or it felt like and still feels like the greatest accomplishment in your career. Another one, he will forever be the greatest driver to ever do this. What he does in a car could never, ever be replicated. And finally, finally, and this this is pretty powerful, Billy Moyer is what God intended a dirt late model driver to be. I want to end the interview. When you hear those things, man, what do you, what do you think when you hear that stuff? Wow, that you know, it just <laughs> puts shivers down my down my arms. I'll tell you, my my this makes my arm hair stand up, and you know, just uh, you know, I I um, I don't know what to say. I really appreciate that. That that uh, you know that, that that's what I've just tried to do. I just tried to race my guts out and then race fair and. Uh, you know, and, and I, I've run into my share of people, you know, without any doubt. But for the most part, I just try to always run clean and not run over people. And uh just, make, you know, makes me feel good. Billy, we did about 65 minutes, man. I could have done I could have done another 65, but I know it's getting late. It's almost 10 o'clock at night. I really appreciate you doing this with me. Um, I've always wanted to interview you like this, you know, and just talk to you about things like this. That I don't, I don't know there's a lot of people in the sport there's not a lot of people I'd want to talk to like this. And I don't know that there's a lot of people could ask you this line, this level of question. Cause I don't think anybody has studied your career quite like I have <laughs> the, well, last, probably not. Yeah, the last 37 not. or 38 years. So I just want to tell you, thank you for, um, for being an ambassador for dirt late model racing your entire life. And, uh, and thanks for spending an hour with me, man. I really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you. Thank you for everything you do. Appreciate it. Bill Stein is back, built in Mooresville, North Carolina. Bill Stein continues to make its mark in dirt track racing with over 100, 100, 100 U.S. engineers on staff, including well-known names like Kevin Rumley and Vinny Giuliani. Bill Stein is manufacturing more parts now than ever before with unparalleled technology and inside knowledge. Again, very simply, people, listen, Bill Stein is back. Thank you to Billy Moyer for just uh that, that was that was really good. Just a fantastic look into his life and his career and just everything that makes makes him tick. I, I found it amazing. And and for those asking, Bloomquist is coming. We are I am gonna do Scott Bloomquist. That one is gonna happen at some point too. Please remember though, uh so much freaking content right now on DOD and on Flow Racing. Not only the live races, but all of our highlights, our post race reaction, photos, live updates and race wire. And just everything that has made Dirt on Dirt the ultimate resource for dirt late model racing for the last 13 years. And by the way, this $150 flow subscription is amazingly valuable. Uh, we at one point did 30 races in five days for your flow subscription. You can get all of it for $150. And more news coming soon on that DOD flow racing subscription merger, which we are working on and is going to make people really happy. Everybody stay safe out there. Have a great weekend. There are more Rigsby reports coming soon. Thanks to everybody, Billy Moyer especially. Uh, And let's let's just see what the rest of the year brings, right? Um, I don't love the way things are trending right now. I don't think I'd have to be Nostradamus to see that it could get iffy again. Uh, So just, you know what, go out and have a great fucking time this weekend. Enjoy the races. Be safe. Treat everybody kind. Uh, Just be be good people. I worry about the shutdown, like I said, like everybody else does. But uh, you know what? Like I said, just go have a great time. Uh, Until next time, guys. Thanks, Billy.